Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Do you feel good? I feel good. (laughs) And today sounds like a good day to do a podcast, and not just any podcast, but a not-so-serious podcast, which are always fun for me. I don't know about for you, but for me, I really like these ones. (laughs) For me, I really like them, too. Yes. There's no pressure. (laughs) No. It doesn't feel, at least I don't feel pressure on these ones. It's like, oh, because like sometimes with the other ones, with our topical sort of things where we try and figure out something beforehand... I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? You overthink it. So this is kind of always a nice exercise and not overthinking it. Yeah. And, and just diving in. In some ways there can be pressure when you don't have a plan. Yeah. Cause you're thinking, what if things don't go the way that I'm thinking they should go? You yeah. Know? And I think that's kind of, it's an interesting thing to go into something without a plan. Cause I think sometimes it's like, okay, well, we'll fly by the seat of our pants. But then there's the other thing of like, well, maybe I'm not prepared enough or maybe things won't work out. Yeah. And I think that, um, the, the, the way we do it, where we do one planned and we do one not, it kind of gives us a good chance to kind of, you know, have a certain kind of like fly by the seat of your pants quality and yeah. a certain kind of like, okay, we have this topic and let's really dive into that thing. And, you know, um, I find with those Wednesday talks, we tend to be a lot more like, planned. We've discussed beforehand what we're going to talk about. We've thought it out a little more. Yeah. Whereas these ones, we're kind of sharing a little of that process, that discovery process. And I think what's cool about it is that you get actually on these ones, kind of a more natural conversation. You Mm. know, when you get together with someone and you start talking to them and you're asking them about how things are going and then whatever comes up tends to kind of determine how the conversation may go. Yeah. Whereas when you plan it out, you don't necessarily get that quality. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah, absolutely. Neat. Except, you know, I think that I find that in, in these conversations, it's like, you know, when you're having just like a casual conversation with like a friend or something, sometimes something's brought up mm. and you just, and it turns into, it's like, Oh, that's nice. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> and it's like, you kind of move on. Not that the conversation is bad or anything, but the conversation kind of moves on. Right. With these ones, it's like, we like, we're paying attention to like what's going on because we are in some regards, we are looking for a topic as we're talking, right? You know, we're like trying to keep aware of when something is kind of just jumps out like a little spark that might get something going. Uh, so yeah, we just kind of kind of jump on it, which is, I don't feel like I'm necessarily that way in like my social or personal life where I'm just like talking to someone I'm like, I'm just waiting for like, I'm waiting for something to come out and, and then I'm going to be all over. It's like, yes, that, this is what we're talking about. <laughs> this is really what we're talking about right now. Yeah. I should try that sometime though. That's that would be funny. hilarious just to jump on somebody like that. Just unexpectedly. They'd be totally weirded out, I think. But, um, but, uh, no, it's, it's, it's interesting because yeah, like the, if, if you go into this, I mean, we've done this enough, um, and are practiced enough, I guess, and have a, a kind of faith that something's going to happen. Um, and we trust it that 
we, I think at least, have avoided crashing and burning, which could possibly happen. Um, for some people, I suppose, you could crash and burn without having any kind of a plan, hmm. any kind of like idea moving forward. But uh, it's, it is kind of, I think, a muscle hmm. that you start to build. And I remember, like, I remember from my own acting class, my teacher saying, there's never nothing. There's always something. Yeah. Well, I always love that. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's, I think sometimes that's the, the mark of being a really good creative too is, you know, or an inventor or anything is to, you know, is to figure out what you can do with nothing. Cause a lot of the time, you know, that's when you're going to find that a lot of people kind of go, well, there's, they kind of give up, they go, there's nothing here. And someone who's kind of, I think kind of a, a champion of creativity tends to go, well, there's something here. There's something, even when it seems like there's nothing, there's always a little bit like in your lowest moments in life, when you're like down, and I know this to be true personally, when you're down and out and you just feel like there's nothing going and nothing working, there's always something. It's weird. There's always Mm -hmm. something. And, you know, actually, so I had this really big awareness this week, which I'll share because it actually kind of relates to this. I wasn't sure if I was going to share it or not, but because we're talking about this, I find like this is an interesting thing because if you believe there's nothing, there is nothing. But if you believe there's something, there is something. So when it seems like there's nothing, you really, the first thing you just need to do is decide that there's something because ironically, by deciding there's something, it actually creates something. So like, so, okay. We've talked about this before on the, on the podcast, you know, how like projection, right? So my experience of the world and you and everybody else is based on my own experience of myself and my own life. So I project my own life and my own beliefs and my own uh, principles and whatever onto the rest of the world. And then through that, I try to understand the world. Yeah. My, my life is just simply projected outward. And I go, when you talk about mom, I kind of imagine my mom and relate it to your mom, even though I never had the experience you're talking about, but yeah. somehow I relate to it. Right. So here's the big discovery I had. And it sounds simple, but it's actually quite profound is that the way I look at how the universe works is just a projection of my internal world. So if I believe that everything happens for a reason, that the universe is conspiring to help me, that there's a master plan that is coming into fruition, even when things don't look like they're working out, they're actually working out. If I believe that, what that actually means is that inside of myself, that's how I function in the world. So whether the universe actually does that or not is irrelevant. Actually, what matters is that I project my own internal belief system out into the world. And therefore I get my internal belief system because it, you know, and I mean, people haven't studied a lot of philosophy and a lot of, you know, like a lot of like, um, kind of anything outside of what they were told. This might be kind of a foreign concept, but the thing is, is that we make everything up because we don't know whether these things exist or don't exist, if they work this way or don't this work this way. Yeah. And so what, what, a lot of time what we go, well, we go, well, no, I read it in this book or someone told me this, that this is how the universe works. And it's like, well, 
consider this, the person who wrote it out, the person who deciphered that, the person who's telling you that they still work that out based on their belief system. So even if they did their very best to articulate to you what they actually experienced, it's still a projection of themselves. They can't help it. Mm -hmm. So what's really great is this is a really wonderful thing because now you get to realize that since you don't know, you get to kind of decide how to experience life. And so what I realized is that from now on, from this point on, I always must remember one key principle. I need to remember that the world is conspiring to help me because that means that inside of myself, I will always be conspiring to help myself. Mm. If I believe the world's out to get me or the world's destroying me, that means that I have an internal self-destruction. So there's no point in believing in that. And actually you got to be really careful about things like evil and, and, and bad and focusing on things that are destructive. Because if you believe people are out to destroy you, you're just projecting your destruction and you're going to find it in the world. Mm. So you got to be careful about that. Now, don't be naive. Don't start believing in fairy tales and that everybody's good. That it's nothing to do with that, but you need to kind of create a certain kind of belief that in all in all, these things are happening actually to make me better, not to make me worse, not to hurt me, not to limit me. Yeah. And the thing is, is at your lowest moment. So you look at your lowest moment, you go, well, Hey, wait, this was a gift, but a lot of people don't, don't see these low moments as gifts. Yeah. Right. Totally. I mean, it's, it's a very, um, it's, it's kind of in the philosophy of there's less philosophies that are going on there. Like one big one is there's to me, it's like, well, there's that's pragmatism to a large degree, because it's like, well, it's like, yeah, whether it is or isn't true is maybe not like the right question. You know, you get caught up in this, like, it's like, well, is that even actually true that, you know, if, if you think that the universe isn't conspiring against you or it isn't, you know, it's like, is that turns into, yeah, it becomes kind of a mundane detail because the thing is, is that then you have to look at what it does to your subjective experience of life, right? It's your experience of life is going to probably be better. Mm. You're probably gonna have a more positive experience of life, which we would, I think, uh, generally consider to be something we want, right? Across the board. So by looking at it that way, you're probably going to cultivate a more positive lifestyle, as opposed to being cynical and saying everything is out to get me. Because regardless, at this point in time, we, we can't really prove that any of this is true. People have been arguing about this for, kind of shit for years and years and years and years. Generations, yeah. blah, 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 blah. So the, it ultimately, it comes down to, to me at least, it's like, well, what, what is the effect on your life? What, what has a better effect on your life? And or the ex- at least the experience of your life. Yes. And to me, what you're saying also reminds me of something I, I read once, which was, uh, um, life is not so much ex- shaped by our experience as it is by our expectation. Hmm. You know, there's a saying, let's just roll some sayings out. Seek and you shall find. Hmm. How true is that? I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to have some type of religious, biblical, philosophical idea about the world. That is psychology. That is how we work. Yeah. Period. If you start, if I say, listen, I want you to spend the first 30 minutes of your morning focusing on black. You see black everywhere. 
Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, even just my saying it, all of a sudden your mind immediately goes black, 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 black. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is that immediately, even just the mention of an idea gets you to look for it. So why would you mention to yourself if you don't need to, if it's not to serve you, look for destruction, look for bad, look for whatever. You will see it everywhere. Your mind is designed to focus. Yeah. It's designed to pinpoint and get you exactly what you look for. So seek and you shall find is it's, it's more than your belief system. It is yeah. your psychology is how your system works. So it's like when you're in a computer and you type in a word and you look through your files, it will find every file with that word in it. Yeah. If you Google it, Google will sort our mind works the same way. So here's the thing, seek and you shall find. So I, I, I went for Canada day. I went down to my parents. It's about a, and you know, with transit takes me about an hour to do the whole journey, right? Depends how long I had to wait for buses, whatnot. Yeah. So I walk out and the most a bus takes on my street is 15 minutes. That's the most it'll take. And yeah. then, it, you know, maybe 20 if everything goes wrong, but pretty much 15 minutes. So I walk out and both buses, 15 minutes. I'm like, really? I'm not waiting here for 15 minutes. I want to do with my time. So start walking on the street. It only took me about seven minutes to get down to the bus stop next to the bookstore. I saw the bookstore and I said, you know what? Instead of listening to music today, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy a book and I'm going to read a book on the way because I've been meaning to do that. So I walked in. This is part of my belief system. Right now I'm, 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 uh, I want to say, uh, nurturing and fostering this belief system, which is that the things that I want will come vividly in front of me and I can be decisive and select them as they come into my life. Mm. So I walk into this bookstore, I walk around the corner to, I kind of know this bookstore a little bit, but I knew, I knew there's a section where it was like kind of business and self-help and, uh, I'd say just productivity and things. And I am like right now, what I want to do in my life is I want to start making a lot of money. I want to start amassing a certain kind of fortune because for me, I decided I need a little bit more power and freedom in my life to be able to do what I want when I want, because I have the freedom, but I don't always have the access to be able to do what I want. So I'm like, let me amplify my money making, you know? So every morning I've been waking up, I've been saying money comes to me frequently and easily. So first thing I walk in, I see a book. It says the power of focus. I look at it, I open it. It says, get focused on making more money. I was like, boom, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Grab the book. Didn't look at anything else other than that book. I knew this was the book I wanted. Yeah. Walked out of the store, paid for my book, went back to the bus stop. I did it so quickly. By the time I walked back to the bus stop, I'd never seen this, this next to the bus stop. There's a, there is a lottery ticket store right next to it. Yeah. So I was like, well, I got a few minutes. I'm going to buy a lottery ticket. And I've been, I've been telling people that I was about to buy a lottery ticket for the last few days. Yeah. And of course I landed right next to a lottery ticket store. So here's the thing. It doesn't matter if I win the lottery or not, but what's happening now is I'm seeing what I'm looking for. Yeah. And so I'm finding it. So the thing is, is that, you know, the beginning of manifesting what you want is first by seek and you shall find. Yeah. When you start looking for it, it will appear everywhere. And I think what happens is I was thinking, why do I ever get deterred from this idea? Why do I ever stop doing it? Cause I've done it before. And it's because I have some expectation about how it's supposed to play out. Yeah. That's the danger because mm. you don't know how it's going to work, but it's the experience of it. And so I've read 90 pages in this book. It's a 300 page book. I'm on, I'm one third of the way through pretty much. 
And it's been excellent. It's been phenomenal. I recommend it to anybody. But the thing is, is that it's perfect for me right now. But the thing is, is like, would I have found that book if I wasn't focused on focus, unfocused on making money, on focus? Like, would I have yeah. known to choose that one out of all the other books that were there? Yeah. Part of the reason why this book is what I chose was because it was what I was looking for before I ever knew I was looking for it. So the thing is, is that if you think about the world is like a bookstore, it constantly has all your options out there and you can have whatever you want. But do you even know what you want? Are like, like you need to be more focused on what you want before it even comes into your life. And then when it comes, you don't know. Did I know that it was a book was, was, was the thing that I needed? Well, not necessarily, but the book is a stepping stone to the next thing, which is now this book I've read 90 pages in. It's created, a, it's helped me create a game plan, which I knew I wanted, but it helped me to do it. And now I've got a game plan going in motion. This game plan is moving some other things forward. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But the point is seek and you shall find. Mm-hmm. So now the philosophy, it doesn't matter what you believe anymore. It just simply matters like, well, what do I want to find? Do I want to find destruction? I want to find how terrible my life is. Do I want to find how the world is working against me? Well, if you seek it, you'll find it. But if you want to see how the world is working for you, I mean, some people could have gone out, saw the bus and said, fuck, 15 minutes. I got to wait the most amount of time. The world's out to get me. I looked at it and go, okay, great. I got an opportunity. Let's walk down the street and see what happens. Yeah. I didn't look at it as a negative at all. Then I saw, well, shit, I got more time. Let me buy a lottery ticket. I got enough time. I might as well squeak this in. It's right next to the bus station. Yeah. Here's the thing. If (laughs) I almost wish this would happen, not even because I could win the money, but just because it would amplify my point. But if I won the lottery, if I were to win this lottery, I would tell people forever, go back to this talk because look at that. You know what I mean? But the thing is, had I not bought the lottery ticket, I have no chance of winning. The chances of me winning are probably, it's probably not going to happen. Probably Mm -hmm. not going to happen. Probability not going to happen yet. I still believe it might happen. But the thing is, is that it doesn't really matter what I believe. It matters that I feel I'm on course on purpose, on point that the world's aligning for me. The thing is, is that maybe the lottery ticket was not to win the lottery, but simply to, to give me a sign that I said I wanted to buy a lottery ticket. Now I didn't necessarily say that this lottery ticket will win. Like the thing is, is you don't necessarily control how the universe is going to necessarily play out the expectation of what will happen. Mm -hmm. But from my point of view, I can experience the world at its top. So here's the win lottery win or not. I experienced a great day feeling on purpose. Yeah. Finding what I wanted, feeling like I was in line with what I set out to do. Yeah. Being able to see what I was looking for. That's the win. And the thing is, is that when we make expectations like, well, I'll do it if I get rewards that I don't control. Well, that's, you're messing up with your system maybe the worst thing in the world would be to win the lottery right now. And if it would be, if I, my belief system is the universe is looking out for me, then it won't happen. Yeah. Because why would you ever want something bad to happen to you if you're looking for good? So the thing is, is a lot of people believe that if they they win the lottery, good things will happen. Actually, if you look at the statistics, people end up in debt, they create problems. Here's another thing. In certain ways, they don't want to win the lottery. Here's why. 
I know I'm kind of going on a speech, yeah. but I don't want to win the lottery because if I win the lottery, it will undermine what I'm building in my own life. Mm. So in part of me wants to win the lottery because I go, great, it would create all these opportunities. Part of me doesn't want to win the lottery because if I do win it, then forever people will say, well, he won the lottery. That's how he did it. So in certain ways, I don't like the idea of it. Right. So in, in the next, I got basically till July 7th, to have my, to, to, you know, and whether I win it or not isn't important, but it's an opportunity in this one week to decide, do, would it be better for me to win the lottery or would it be better for me to build my fortune without the lottery? And in certain ways, what I think I want might not always be best for me. Like, and I know that when people are caught in the whole, like, I just want it. I just want it because I want it. If you stop and think about the effects of getting what you wanted, right? Like, if you get exactly what you want right now, there are negative effects to that, but we don't like to look at that. So the way I'm seeing it now is I decided it's like a parent, you know, the universe is looking out for me, even when it doesn't give me what I think I want, it's actually giving me exactly what I need always. So it's not about, it's not about and it's, it's my experience of the world. So the thing mm-hmm. is, is that the bus is 15 minutes longer than I hoped for. It's the longest amount of time I hope for. I turn 15 minutes into a good thing. Not winning the lottery can be turned into a good thing. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Winning the lottery to everyone else seems like a really good thing, but maybe not winning the lottery. Maybe I bought the ticket just for the victory of not winning it. Like, could you ever wrap your head around that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, it's like we were, uh, talking a little bit about this, uh, a few days back about some, some friends of ours, people we know. And, uh, you know, this whole thing of, of, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be happy Hmm. kind of thing? And it's, it's kind of a funny little, um, conundrum because, you know, uh, we have this expectation of how things should go or how, you know, we want things to go. And that's not necessarily uh, a bad thing. Like the focus, as you say, like you focus your attention towards something, right? And you, and you work towards it. Um, but there's so much, we don't necessarily know how that's all going to come about. Now it's good to apply yourself and to, to work towards building something, but we have ideas of how that's supposed to unfold. And that's where I think we get into trouble. That's where I think we, we set ourselves up for, um, a lot of unnecessary pain and suffering because these little things happen and you go, shit, well, this is like getting in my way. It's like, no, how is that not actually getting in your way? How is this actually like training your focus? How is this actually building your focus? Because I know that that, that's, um, as I've been building my school and, and working towards that. And it's still, you know, like I still haven't launched this to the place where I want to even close. But when I first started and I was doing some classes and I was doing some teaching, uh, and, and I had all these ideas of how it should go. Right. And I started running into these obstacles and it wasn't going the way I thought. I'm like, Oh, people aren't looking for this thing that I'm doing, right? People aren't looking for this, but this is what I do, you know, blah, 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 blah. And 
so it was it, at first I was really disheartened by the experience. Um, because I was like, no, like people should want to learn this, hmm. right? People should want to learn this. I can't believe people don't want to learn this. Uh, but from that facing that I actually got in touch with something far deeper and far more meaningful for me that I want to teach. That doesn't mean that I wasn't, I'm not going to do what I had initially set out. Not that that's not still part of it, but there was, it gave me a new focus. Like, so I had my focus on having school and doing this thing for actors. Right. And I was looking over here and then something happened. And so I was like, wait, what? And it thought it feels like you're being thrown off track, but what it's really doing is it's like, you know, it's that, it's that stone on the, you know, that sword and that, and that stone, just sharpening that, that edge, sharpening that edge by giving it that friction. Right. So it's not actually getting in your way. It's actually really getting you, your focus to a whole nother level. It's bringing it up and up and up and up. Hmm. But when we take it as the, when we have this, all these ideas, of how this should go, we, we miss what the, the opportunities that are coming up because we don't see them as being opportunities. We don't see them as the thing that we need in order to actually achieve the thing. But we think it's like, Oh, this means I can't have it. It's like, no, it doesn't it means you're on your way to having it, but you've got to throw out your ideas about it. Yes. You've got to throw out all of your ideas about it and see what actually comes up in front of you. That's it. That's it, man. I mean, like, you, you got it. This is what we're talking about. Friend. This is what, this we're, is talking what we're talking about. about. <laughs> well, you know what? Okay. So I've, you know, we, this is like 140th podcast episode. And, uh, you know, for those regular Ooh, listeners yeah. who have listened to me talk very vaguely about how I went through a depression and how certain things kind of rocked my world a little bit. Well, I'm going to give a little bit more context to this. I decide. And I, I'm not going to name any names and I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to be very mindful about what I say here yeah. just so that, you know, cause it's not about attacking anybody or anything. It's about my experience and it's about what I've learned coming to this point in my life. So I went through a massive fucking depression, like to the point where I was walking around going, what's the point of life? Why am I even alive? I'm not kidding. I'm not being dramatic. I actually contemplated a few times and I never did it, but I, I, I contemplated a few times thinking, okay, if I end my life, what are the effects? What's going to happen? Does it matter when anybody care? But yeah. that's the point I was at. And the thing is, is I, I, I get it. You know, when people, when people contemplate suicide and I think suicide to me and I, now I, I don't believe in suicide that was something that to me, like I'd come through enough of my life. I'd seen my parents lose all their money. I had seen, you know, I had lost friends. I had experienced death. It was not a, you know, it was something that I had watched people walk through their lowest, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was very real for me at a young age. So when I went through it on my own, I had the gift of having watched my dad go through it to some degree. Mm -hmm. So my dad lost his millions. He lost his fortune, right? And so I remember he shared with me at one point and, uh, you know, um, 
I don't think that I'm out of line explaining, sharing this about him, but he said, you know, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And in that moment, you know, that wondering why he was still alive. And he said, well, I got my sons, you know, so that was enough to keep him there. Yeah. Well, to me, I thought, okay, when I was at my lowest, I was like, yeah, but as messed up as this all is, I could still find reason. I thought about my little cat. I'm like, well, and this might sound silly to someone, but something that small can keep you alive. Yeah. You know, I thought, man, if I did myself in this little cat that's, that's dependent on me, that's built so much love around me, you know, and all this stuff and this relationship for it, I would be abandoning it. Now, would I, am I the kind of person that abandons? No, I'm not. So you keep going. Okay. So here's the thing. I'm going through this hell of a time. Where did this all come from? Well, here's the story. Let me give a little context. It was part of a personal development course. You know about this. I've shared it with you, but I'm going to share it with the audience. It's part of a personal development course. As part of this personal development course, I had a girlfriend, girlfriend. I was very serious about that. Hey, we're going to get married. We're going to have kids. Very, very serious relationship. She decides I'm going to go travel across the globe, go do this, whatever. I'm like, okay, well we stand together. What's the deal? Well, anyway, long story short, she strung me along for months, then broke up with me over text message after a couple years of dating, a couple years of my life, yeah. invested massive amounts of money to try and keep it, you know, whatever played me as I felt. Yeah. Deceived. I felt then within not only now, now I'm not, I'm not making any of this up. I'm telling you my experience and I don't want to, I'm not making her wrong. I'm not making anything wrong here. This is my experience. So now I'm heartbroken. Okay. Also, a show that I was working on happened to crumble around the same time. My life seemed like it was falling apart. I couldn't understand. Why is this okay with this, this, you know, with everybody else but me? Why, why can't anybody see that this is so messed up? It was, it was turning into an abusive relationship, whatever, ends over text message. Within a couple months, less than that, I get messages. I get a call from her. She says, I want you to delete our relationship status on Facebook. And I say, well, I, okay. I try to do it. I'm like, I don't know where it is. I don't know how to do it. It's already deleted. It's not like it says we're still in a relationship. It says, no, it's in your history way down the line. I said, well, I can't find it. <laughs> and she goes, she owed me $300. Wouldn't want to pay me back. So I said, you know what? Pay me back the $300 you owe me. Cause she, she also took money from me. She's literally yeah. stealing it at this point. I was like, well, pay me back the money you owe me. She's no, oh, screw you. All this. I say, fine. I don't want to talk to you anymore. It's done. Let's move on. So what I found out was that a month after that, I found out, I get a call from her. She says, we need to talk. I say, okay, what's going on? She says, I'm getting married. Three months after we are split, less than that, she's already getting married. Why was she calling me about Facebook? Because she was trying to basically hide, hide the fact from the government and all this stuff that we were in a relationship because she wanted to, okay. So I'm looking at this, I'm going, my whole fucking relationship is a lie. Everything is deceit. And yeah. then lies. So I'm walking around and going, how is my life even, how is any of this even real? So, you know, and I, I felt like I was in love with this person that I knew this person that I could trust this person. So I went through this depression. Now I was a part of this, uh, success program. I, I said, I, I mentioned that before this personal development course. Well, so I left that course because after all this came about, I was like, you know what, this whole course kind of helped this happen. And I'm leaving it. Something's messed up about it. I don't like it. So I left it years, years ago. 
Well, it just came out and you know this, Mm -hmm. that this whole fucking thing is hiding some secretive cult and all of this shit. And this is all coming to light now. If I never left it two years ago, I'd be more involved in wherever this thing is and whatever it is. So her breakup with me and what the way it happened in the universe, because I wouldn't leave no matter how abusive she was, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't leave the relationship. So, so the universe got so extreme in some ways that it said, no, this is bad path for you. We're, we're moving you, whatever it will take, you know, and if it it requires sending you into depression, if that's what it needs to get you to, to detach from this, that's what it needs to do. Now, here's the thing. I detached from that. And now all this stuff's coming on. I'm thinking, thank fucking God that I went through that horrid experience because I gained a lot of growth through that, Mm -hmm. but it extracted me from this very bad thing. I didn't know I was a part of. Yeah. So I look at that now I go, man, the universe has my fucking back. It's looking out for me, but it took, cause I'm so defiant that it took a really difficult situation to get me to not try and control what I thought was best for me. Yeah. So the thing is, is when I'm walking away from that experience now, I'm going, man, even the things I think are bad are a real gift because they're actually saving my life. Yeah. Like I, it, it's undeniable to me now. It's absolutely undeniable. Mm-hmm. I, there's no more, maybe if I wonder, it's like, no, there, there has to be something greater going on at play because, and, and, and you know what people can say, oh, it's still happenstance. I don't care what you think. What I find is this is serendipitous. This was this saved, saved me from getting involved, getting mind fucked from this, this cult company and all of that. Yeah. And it gave me, it gave me freedom years away. I have friends that were still involved in it and they're, they're going to have to see psychologists to get basically deprogrammed now. Yeah. So this saved me in so many ways. It was good. It was the hardest experience I went through. Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm thinking, man, my life's over. Meanwhile, the universe is like, no, man, we're helping you. It's, I'm saving you yeah. here. I'm making sure that you don't go down this really bad path. You don't know it's bad, but I know it's bad and I'm going to make yeah. sure you're not going down it. Cause that's the thing is like also, and, and why did this happen for me? And maybe not somewhere else. Let me, let me just say, this is my theory and I could be wrong, but this is just my belief. And I'm not saying this is the way it is, but it's how I believe is that I said to the universe, I want to be one of the greatest storytellers of our time. And I've been saying that for years and you know, I've been saying, Oh yeah. And I say that very boldly to people. And in many ways, it gave me exactly what I asked for. Mm -hmm. You want to be a great storyteller? Let's, let's give you almost nutty events, some crazy events that will happen to give you the experience of life so that you can come back and share great stories. I mean, how many people like, you know, when you, when you think of someone like leaving you at the altar or someone, you know, uh, yeah. breaking up with you and getting married to someone else immediately. It's almost like something that happens out of a movie, but then you yeah. live it and you go, well, this isn't real life. This is out of a movie. But then, you know, I say, well, I want to be the greatest storyteller of our time. In many ways, the universe will give me sometimes experiences that I might not like simply so that I have a range of depth and understanding. Yeah. That's my opinion. And I mean, and the thing is too, is that again, so much of like this, the whole thing of, of that you don't like, I mean, that's again, the way that we are perceiving it. That's the way that we are projecting our experience of our life as well. Sure. I think that's kind of what we're, we're talking about here is that, you know, and in many ways it's, it's have the goals, have the drive. That's so important. 
and to, to be wanting to create, to create positive changes in your life. It's just that the way that those things are going to happen might not be in the way that you expect, but to learn to be grateful for all of them. Mm -hmm. Right. And by learning to be grateful for all of them, even in the midst of being like, I don't know what the fuck this is going on, but like you, you become available to, to learn from it and to see how it actually is because so, so much of the stuff you look back in retrospect and you go, Oh yeah, it was totally for the best as you've just illustrated. Yeah. It's like, it was all for the best, even though at the time it was like the most horrible depression you've ever been through in your life. Yeah. Right. And these things have these little gifts. We make it more difficult on ourselves when we bemoan what's going on. Mm -hmm. Right. As opposed to being able to say, okay, this is really shitty. You know, like for me, I've learned that when I'm in that, when I'm having that emotional experience of this is shit, what's going on here. I am quicker than I used to (laughs) able to go. It's like, okay, I know this is just in the way that I'm, I'm seeing this unfold. Right. Um, and that if I, by learning to see this in a different way, I don't even know what, what that might be. Right. Sometimes it's looking for the focus. It's, it's asking for that focus from the universe saying, okay, what is this for? Why has this happened? Right. With actual engagement, not like, why has this happened? Like a victim. It's just like, why has this happened? you know, and what good could come of this? What good can come of this? Because again, you might as well. It's the pragmatic way of being about it because otherwise it's like you're, you're making your life experience shittier than it needs to be. Right. And it's just kind of coming back to this whole thing. I, that uh, I'd mentioned earlier was you want to be right. Or do you want to be happy? Right. Like it's, it's, you say, it's like, Oh, well, you can look for this whole thing to, to prove that it's like, Oh no, the universe doesn't give a shit about me. The, or, or I don't know any of us, it's out to get us and blah, 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 blah. And you, you will now you're just looking for that in your life. Now you've created that focus. Now you've created that expectation. And for some reason, I don't know why that level of cynicism, some, for whatever reason, a lot of the time everyone goes, Oh yes, because like, that's probably more reality. Cynicism for whatever reason, people, people buy as being closer to reality than optimism. I don't know why the fuck that is because the thing is like, how do you know you're right? How do you know the universe hates you? You don't know that either, but you, you convince yourself that you're right. And in your rightness, you're miserable. Mm -hmm. Well then be wrong for fuck's sake you miserable bastards, <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, it's, I, it, it's kind of like, it is then when you look at it from that way, it becomes completely illogical well, to, you, to, yeah. to, to go about that way. And I want, also want to touch on something else here as well. Okay. Just talking about depression, like, and because it's something like I, I've, I've had experienced bouts of depression. I've n- never been, you know, I wouldn't say that I've ever been like a, a, like a manic depressive or been battling it for years or anything, but I've had really dark stints of depression where like I was f- like physically retching 
like in a toilet felt so ill because I just didn't see the point of life. And it was like, and the idea of ending my own life was so like in my mind, not that I was going to do it, but I was just in a place of like, I don't know how to move forward. I don't, I like, it was just stuck. Mm. Right. I've been in that place for long enough in my life to understand it. All I'll say just, and this is kind of a side note to it is like, if anybody's listening to this and you are experiencing this and you are feeling this way and you're having these thoughts, talk to somebody. Yeah. Just like reach out and talk to somebody because that is for me and my experience of it was depression. When you get stuck in it, you, and, and it, a lot of it has like your egos going viciously in all of it. And you want to cut yourself off and you want to isolate yourself from people and you want to, you you tell yourself you need to be alone. And it's like, no, you don't need to be alone. Reach out, talk to somebody. If you don't have a friend that you feel like you can talk to about this stuff, there's lots of people out there. There's, there's lines that you can talk to. There's help out there for you. Talk to somebody. Yeah. It's the best thing you can do. Well, I agree. I agree. Cause you know, one of the hardest parts for me was I hermited you know, people are like, where did, where did you go? I mean, I, I hid away in my house Yeah. and I, I barely left, barely talked to anybody. You know, when I started doing an exercise, like after about a year of like kind of being in this really bad place, um, where I started just reaching out to people and just calling them. I didn't necessarily tell them what was going on for me, but I just called them and say, Hey, I was thinking about you. Just wanted to catch up on your life, see what's going on. And I started to talk to people that helped me to, you know, cause I created, when I went through my depression too, I created a social anxiety. I mm-hmm. started going like, can I trust anybody or whatever? You know? Um, well, here's, here's the interesting thing. I mean, I made it through, I made it through that. And I, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't self-destruct. I didn't, you know, uh, you know, fortunately I, I powered through. Fortunately I had maybe, uh, the gift of having some experience of seeing my parents go through a lot of hardship, you know, not everybody has that. So, you know, I had some advantages, I think, in some ways to go through it. And I saw my dad kind of recover from it. I saw my parents, my mom recover from it. I saw people kind of go through hardship and I saw them come through it, right? So Mm -hmm. after you see that, you go, well, it's possible this will pass. When you've never, when you've experienced depression and it seems like the first time you've ever hit it, I mean, it's harder because I'd imagine, because if you've never seen anybody get through it, it feels like it will never end. Yeah. And there was many days where I'm like, will this ever end? I don't know if it will ever end. And people say, well, this too shall pass. And you just, there's a point where you're like, I don't know if this is going to pass. This is lasting forever. And it was, you know, to be honest, it wasn't just a year. It was really about, to be honest, it was about three years of battling with this thing. It was a little better at some points. there was probably a year where it was a real low point you know, as a, a point of real difficulty, but then, you know, I've come through it. And I think that, you know, what's really interesting is I came through the whole thing is like you and I bonded closer than we've ever bonded. I mean, we were always friends, but I feel like when I started kind of coming out of it, when I started coming out and kind of reaching out, you and I, I remember had a talk. And since then our friendship has been closer than it's ever been in my opinion. Yeah. Plus what's really neat about that is that we started this podcast. I don't know if this podcast would exist had things gone the way I intended them to go. Yeah. And I think this podcast is an amazing podcast. You know, and regardless, we've had messages from people who have messaged us say, you know, I was really in a funk. I was having a tough time. And I listen to your podcast. I'm feeling better. And like, it's really been helping. The fact that we're getting that message tells me that this, if that's all we ever get, this is absolutely worth it. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? And so you don't, you don't really know when you're in the hardship, what beauty is being born out of it. Cause if things had gone to plan, um, you know, if I'm honest with myself and I, and I really suggest people to really try and be honest with themselves about this stuff, how much arrogance might you have if you didn't feel hardship? So like what I learned was a great sense of humility, a great sense of compassion, a great sense of empathy, especially for people who are going through a hard time. Yeah. I don't know if I had that kind of compassion and empathy and awareness before, but now I do. And so like, this is such a gift because, you know, the thing is, is that what I realized too, is I used to think depression was something that like only a few people go through. I started to realize that most people, most, yeah, almost all go through depression. Yeah. And so those who have never gone through depression, you're like, yeah, yeah, I've had some down days, but here's the thing. I started really seeing it. I was like, wow, you know, it makes sense. Cause we live in a culture that tells us not to feel it's not okay to be angry. It's not okay to cry. It's not okay to be sad. Take your emotions, put them aside. When you show up to work, you need to be on it. You know what I mean? Uh, look at all the drugs in our society, alcohol, you know, hard drugs, medical drugs, smoking, drinking, all of this stuff, video games, whatever it is, it's all designed to get us to, to basically go, I'm not feeling great TV. I'm not feeling great. So I'm going to go do this thing. So I feel better yeah. or to hide the feeling I'm feeling. So, you know, we do this long enough. You're depressed. You don't even know you're depressed. And then you think this is the, this is the saddest part about depression, depression. You don't even know you have, mm. cause when you know you have depression, when you know you're depressed, you can do something about it. You can be like, I want to change my life. But when you're depressed and you don't even know you are, and basically I'll tell you how you, how, how to identify it. It's when you're very incomplete and dissatisfied and you're doing all these things and your life's kind of comfortable, but you're like, yeah, it's okay. Life isn't bad, but like you're not achieving any of your dreams. Life hasn't worked out the way you want all of that. You're actually depressed and people don't want to admit it because if you admit you're depressed, then all of a sudden you have to face some feelings and that's really, really scary and really hard to do. Yeah. But that's the depression you don't know. And the depression you don't know, it lasts for a very, very long time. And eventually it adds up. It accumulates into a point where you eventually just kind of feel like, like you're just stuck and your dreams get destroyed by not knowing it. Yeah. In some ways it's actually better to be like, Whoa, I'm really fucking depressed. Feel it as fully as you can. Yeah. Don't do anything. Don't, don't take actions because you feel down, just feel shitty. And then because you feel shitty, then if you can go, okay, I feel shitty. I want to do something. Then you can actually pry yourself away from TV, from alcohol, from smoking, and you can actually go and go do something. Feeling shitty is a call to action. Yeah. In some regard. And sometimes, and, and sometimes that action is to take a step back you know, there could be any number of things that it means, but it's a call to some kind of action that is different from what you've been doing. Right. Right. Like in, in many ways, it's, it's like, it's kind of a warning sign to you. Like you're, it's, it's actually something that's trying to help you. You know, that feeling is trying to be like, no, like you're, you're, this is not where you're supposed to be going. This is not what you want to be doing. Change course change course. And it becomes so painful that you have to do something. And I mean, we talk about the song, like in the, in, you know, the hero's journey in the, in classic, in our storytelling structure, every, every freaking story 
pretty much that you'll ever watch or read or ever is, has some point where somebody is so low, where somebody is so like they're, they've, they've run out of options. So it seems there's nowhere to go. Life is shit. And then something happens and there's a way out. Right. But it takes a level of honesty. It takes a certain level of pain to get that honest and to finally say, express, admit, whatever it is that, that something is not right. Mm -hmm. And then we all know how the story goes after that. You know, there's the big triumphant return. Yes. Typically. Right. Uh, well, regardless how things work out too, I mean, like we got to quit being so attached to the results and, you know, and, and it's really about rising to the climaxes of our life. It doesn't have to work out, but what is important is you have to rise up to these things. And like my dad used to say this to me when I was younger, he's like, you know, when I, when I went through my experience of depression, I, I didn't take any medication and I was very careful about drinking or, you know, anything like that, any drugs or anything like that, because my dad told me very young age and he said this over and over. And I think he's right about it. And, and, and sometimes I think it's important for people to take a little bit of medication, you know, just because if you're so, you know, if it's just, you're so out of options, you don't know what to do. It can be an option. Yeah. You know? And I, 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 I want to say like some days I just said, you know what, I'm sitting down today and I'm playing video games all day. Cause like, at least then I'll, I don't want to feel what I'm feeling or I'm sleeping today. You know, sometimes you need to do that. I'm not saying I didn't have my own version of it. Yeah. Be very careful about medication and, and stimulants or things that dull you out because when your body is in pain, when you're mentally in pain, emotionally in pain, that's your body communicating to you something is wrong. If you dull it, your body can no longer communicate to you that something is wrong. And what I found was that part of my issue, which sent me into a deeper depression was I had coping mechanisms for mm. my pain so I could ignore the pain because what I learned through it was have a very low threshold for pain, emotionally and intellectually. Physical pain is a different thing. You know, yeah. if it's inside your body, have a low threshold. If it's outside of your body, have a high threshold. You know what I mean? Like if you feel like, oh, my spleen or something in my body hurts, go see a doctor, have a low pain threshold for that. Yeah. But if it's like, you know, I'm running and my legs hurt because they burn, have a high threshold for that. That's a different thing, but kind of like, you know, you'll learn, you'll figure it out, your body, but emotional and intellectual pain have a low tolerance for that stuff. Because I think where people get into abusive relationships, abusive situations, destructive situations is because they will take emotional abuse to too high an extreme. Mm -hmm. If your feelings are hurt, that is good. That is your body and your mind and your emotional saying, no, this isn't okay. Yeah. Something needs to change. I don't like this. You know, battered wife syndrome. I didn't know mm. that until I was in an abusive relationship, how that actually works. And it worked the reverse for me. Yeah. Battered, you know, as a battered person, basically you take emotional abuse after emotional abuse, after emotional abuse, it becomes normal. Mm -hmm. Someone becomes emotionally abusive to you. And now all, it isn't until your friends go, Hey, I don't like the way that they're talking to you. I don't think that's okay. And you start yeah. going, yeah, I don't really think so either. When I got out of my abusive relationship where I was being abused to a point where it was like, I, I couldn't even, I could, I was like, how was I so dumb to get into a relationship <laughs> that I would be abused this much? But what people don't understand is it's, it's incremental. So like, I'm going to take it physical. So if a guy were to hit a woman, right? 
people don't understand. How did a woman get into a relationship where a guy hits her? How did, how did she get into this? Well, it yeah. didn't start with him full out smacking her and saying all the worst things. At first he was a nice guy. Then it came with the, with the, with the, a backhanded comment. Then it came with maybe even, you know, a slap or a knock or something. And then she accepted it. And, and slowly, eventually this abusive person was allowed to be more abusive. And then it got to the point where that person's so abused, they don't even know what abuse is anymore. Yeah. That's how it happens. It's very incremental. So what we need to, we, what you tolerate in your life, you will get. So you got to not tolerate stuff. We need to draw hard, harder lines in our life and, and really get clear about what am I okay with and what am I not okay with? Mm-hmm. And if you're not okay with it, it's, it's a zero policy from now on. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, the thing is, is that it's important to express these things in a healthy way, but like to, to express them is so important because the thing is that often, you know, stuff that is in, in my experience and in, in having been in a relationship now for a little over five years and having lived with this person for, I don't know, three and a half of them or something like that, maybe even longer, uh, is that you express what is upsetting you. You know, if there's some sort of a, a behavior or something that has, has bothered you, just express it in as best way as possible. Because the thing is, is that it's not even necessarily because, because yes, there is sometimes people are being abusive, right? But you won't know that until you open up the discussion for it, right? Because sometimes it is a case of my own shit, which, and I'm projecting my shit onto the situation, right? And it's not what's going on, right? However, being able to have the conversation, being able to, to have that dialogue you start to begin to understand a little bit more of yourself, a little bit more of the other, the other person, a little bit more of how that relationship is, is working. Mm. Right. And you can then be more conscious, more sensitive towards one another. And, you know, every now and then it is, it's like, Oh, okay. You know what? That behavior is not right. I'm going to do something about that. Right. Mm. Like it's, but the important thing is, is, the expression of it to, to take it on instead of burying it down, hiding it away. And next thing, you know, just, you just get pushed, pushed, pushed and pushed, pushed until, you know, you snap and then something really bad happens. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, I think that's important. You you bring up an important point is that sometimes people are, uh, abusive in ways that are very innocent they don't realize that they're hurting your feelings or they're doing something that is, you know, not okay with you. And I don't think that you should immediately look at someone as though they're malicious or that yeah. they're out to get you. But at the same time, I want to say this, don't have rainbow glasses and assume that everybody's intention is good either. Because mm-hmm. where I kind of went wrong was like, yeah, they're saying this or doing this, but they love me. Yeah yeah, they're doing this, but, but they mean well, they, you know, that's like, and, and the thing is, is I went the opposite. Whereas I kept looking at how, cause to me, I kept kind of going, yeah, but their, their, their t- intention isn't malicious. They don't mean to hurt my feelings. They don't mean to do this thing. But what I realized later that this person in some ways 
was not in a good place in their life. And they were kind of malicious. I recently had an interaction with a friend and, and, and I said to them, I said, you know, you, you like, sometimes you say comments to me about my, my appearance or my looks and they're hurtful. And they said to me, I noticed you basically came up because they said, I noticed you're pushing away. And I said, well, you, you, you know what? You're right. And I said, I, um, I said, sometimes you say things and they, and you insult my appearance or you do it. And I know you're doing it jokingly, but it hurts my feelings. Yeah. And so I've been kind of pushing away from you because I don't want to be around it. And they said, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like I'm, I'm joking when I say that. And, and I said, well, you know, I said to you very early on when we met that, you know, my appearance and this type of thing has always been something I struggled with. Now I feel like I'm, I'm talking my dad in a positive way. I'm throwing him under the bus in the next in certain ways. It's true. Yeah. Cause my dad was someone I looked up to a lot in my younger years. He didn't want me to be an actor. He wrote me a letter one time said, you know, I don't think you're good looking enough to be an actor. That hurt my feelings so badly because I put so much faith in his guidance and mm-hmm. his mentorship that I was like, if he doesn't think that, then it must be true. And I've, I later, you know, I later told him, you know, I've later, you know, but it took like, I was a young man. I, I didn't know how to speak up to, but mm-hmm. it was abusive. It was not a go okay. And he didn't necessarily mean it. I don't think in a malicious way, he just thought, you know, like his, his mindset was, you know, you're not, you're not Brad Pitt or something. So like, you know, yeah. don't, you know, don't walk around in the world like you are or something. Okay. But here's the thing regardless, that doesn't even matter. It hurt my feelings. I walked around for many years as an actor going, I'm not good looking enough to be an actor. So my dad told me that. And then I kept looking for that Remember, search and you shall Mm -hmm. find. I kept looking for that in the world. The reason why I'm not getting this role is because I'm not good looking enough. The reason why I don't qualify is I'm not good enough. The reason why she doesn't like me, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I don't look good enough. Yeah. So then I met this person and this person was saying some comments about my looks. Now I've worked through my, my appearance issues, you know, and I said to them, you know, this is what's going on. This is why I'm pushing away. And they apologized profusely and said, look, that's not what I meant. I'm so sorry. I hurt your feelings. And the fact that they kind of were like, they took such ownership of it and they mm-hmm. were, and they, and they said to me a few times, they're like, I'm it, like, I couldn't even sleep after you told me this. I, I hurt my feelings so much that I hurt you. Yeah. I thought, you know, what an amazing person to, <laughs> to be, to be so, and, and the letter they wrote me afterwards was just so kind and so yeah. loving. And I thanked them for it. And I said, you know, thank you so much. Like in the, in the kindness and the, and the, and the thing that you're bringing forth. And I said, you know, my, my mistake was not feeling like I could talk to you about it and not being upfront. Cause I let the activity persist. Yeah. And I said, that's something I'm working on too. And now, you know, it's something where we can build a relationship forward that's based on better things. Yeah. But their intent was not malicious, even yeah. though to me, I experienced that as somewhat abusive. Yes. But also here's the other thing. And, 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 uh, you know, I came from a relationship where I'd never experienced abuse before up until this person where this person was actually malicious, yeah. was actually justified. And when I told them what they were doing and I said, I don't like that you're doing this, they were like, you basically need to suck it up. That person did not care how I felt. Yeah. So when sometimes when I get into a relationship or a, a, a friendship, I should say, even with anybody who does something, there's a part of me that goes, maybe they're doing this to actually, like, maybe they think they're okay. Maybe they think they're right. Maybe they think this is good. And so there's a part of me that's a little bit weary. And so my point is you bring up a good point. We don't always know their intent. 
But the bottom line that I had to learn was what will I tolerate and what will I not tolerate? Yeah. And I saved this friendship by speaking up and being honest about how I felt. I, I probably took too long. I should have less tolerance. The first time it happened, yeah. I probably would have been best served to have said something. Look, I don't like what you're saying right now. Yeah. This is upsetting me, but, but I'm learning, right? Yeah. And so what I'm saying is we should all, we could all benefit from learning. What's our tolerance, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you learn to, to move and act on these things more quickly. Sure. Right. Not to, not to bury them down and wait for them to get as painful right. anymore. Right. You learn to just say like, Hey, you know, and, and, and you do it right away because the thing is that in, in your story with your, with this friend of yours, you know, something that feels uncomfortable, you know, because we, we feel uncomfortable having these conversations with people. Yes. Um, because again, we have a certain idea in our minds and expectation that this is going to go really badly Yeah. or this is going to be a negative experience, but it ends up actually being profoundly positive. It profoundly was profoundly positive yeah. because it brings you together. It brings you closer as a result of it. Right. And this is what we're talking about. Like these, these expectations, these things that we think it's, it's supposed to go this way or that way, or it might go this way or that way. And you open up to something else to, to this being there for a reason, hmm. right. To this, um, these challenges being, you know, the universe having your back. Yeah right? And when you do that, you can, all of these doors open that are just, that are just unbelievable, just absolutely unbelievable and positive. And you don't think it's supposed to go that way. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because like, um, it's pain tolerance, you know, what you resist persists kind of idea. Right. And, you know, my behavior was not strong initially, um, because I just started to distance myself from the person that wasn't necessarily, I mean, that's one way to deal with it. Yeah. It's not necessarily the strongest way to deal with it, but like they said to me, I wish you had told me sooner because I, I hate the fact that I've done this behavior that's been hurting your feelings. Yeah. but I didn't know. And I said, you know what? It's true. You didn't know. And that's, that's on me because I didn't tell you it was upsetting me. I yeah. was allowing and it to persist. And I was being like, you know, and so instead of actually telling them and helping them out and having their back, I just started to move away. But they said, look, I don't like you're, I can see you're pushing away and I don't like that. Yeah. And so fortunately I had enough courage. Cause it was vulnerable. It was a hard yeah. conversation in certain ways. It was hard to say like, yeah, like my feelings are hurt. Like it's hard to say your feelings yeah. are hurt. It's hard, especially as a guy, you know, you're not so, like, I don't know. I don't know what it's like for other people, but in my experience as a guy in, in a lot of my life, it has not been okay that my feelings are hurt. It's been suck it up, grow up, figure it out, get better. You know, I've, I've ha- I haven't necessarily had a lot of compassion around my emotions from a lot of people. So it is hard for me sometimes to just say, Hey, my feelings are hurt. But with this person, you know, I said, okay, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. My feelings are hurt. Then, then everything kind of corrects course. What I need to learn to do is to start not dismissing my hurt feelings. Yeah. Hurt feelings are okay. They're, they're your, they're your values and your, and your self-worth and your body and your mind telling you something isn't okay. 
Yeah. That's why your feelings get hurt. And, and sometimes, um, or you're, but yeah. And, but sometimes those things are, are, are stories that you're telling yourself that aren't true. Sure. But at the very least you're, what you're doing is you're shining, you're, you're shining a light on all of it. You know, like you're coming, you're saying like, Hey, listen, the, when you say these things, it really hurts me. Like this person is like, you're pushing me away. So now you've become, there's, there's a light that's being shone, shone on. Oh, I'm doing this as a, as a response to these feelings that I have. Right. So now you shine a light on the feelings like, well, Hey, listen, you say these things and I, and, and it makes me feel this way. Right. And so now they're aware of this, right. And say, Oh, that like is not what I mean. You know, I, I don't mean that kind of stuff when I say it. Right. So now they're aware there's a light that's been shone on the impacts of, of sometimes what they do. Right. But it also shines a light on your own vulnerabilities. Right. And by being able to do that, you're actually able to make it less of a vulnerability for you. Hmm. Right. Because now it's like, Oh, this isn't necessarily a true story anymore. Right. This thing doesn't have as much power over me because I realize that by now confronting it, it's actually not as big a thing as I'm making it. Right. This thing is So now maybe in the future, somebody makes that makes a similar joke to you. It doesn't sting as much right? Maybe you still say something about it, right? Cause you continue to shine a light on it, but it doesn't sting as much because you go, Oh, you know what? Like, I know that there's nothing true about this statement, right? Mm. I know it's nothing true about what this person's saying because I've addressed it. I've confronted that with somebody and I know that's not the truth of it. Right. That's a story I was telling myself. Right. So there's all kinds of wonderful little things that just being honest and expressive and, and coming out with it, talking to somebody that, that we don't even know can come out of it. Right. Right. It's interesting. You use the word expressive too, because when I went through this depressed period, I realized that I was not expressing anymore Yeah. and not expressing you repress. And then eventually you repress, you depress, you know? Yeah. And so, um, in, in many ways, by expressing myself, I relieved a lot of the angst that I was feeling inside. Yeah. And so I think when someone's depressed, the other thing too is, you know, you don't necessarily need to go out and make anybody wrong. Just express how you feel. You know, it's just like, you don't have to like, and I, I found that, you know, and most people in my experience, if you tell them how you feel, and, and it's counter to how, you know, growing up as a guy is, but if you tell them how you feel, you say, look, you know, you said this thing, it hurt my feelings. Here's why people tend to be in my experience, a lot more receptive to that. They go, oh, you know, I don't want to hurt your feelings. It's not what I was intending. It's yeah. like, this is what I was intending. And the, and they're very, you know, and I think like some people get scared that they hurt your feelings. Like they, they're not malicious people, but they're like, I'm so scared now that I hurt your feelings that I don't even want to admit I hurt your yeah. feelings. Cause then you'll leave me and you won't want to be my friend anymore my, yeah. in this relationship. And that you hate me and I'm a bad person. Yeah. And, well, and so they yeah. got their shit going on. So you got to kind of have, even though you're depressed and maybe you're around people who are maybe not, you don't feel like, you know, get you understand that, that a lot of people are also depressed. They don't know they're depressed. And so when I was depressed, I started realizing that I was like, well, these people are walking. There's so many people walking around who seem happy, but I could, it's weird. Cause like once you 
once you experience real depression, you can start to see it in everybody else. You start going, oh, wow, you, you, you pretend you're happy, but I can see you're not really happy because I could project from myself how I pretended to be happy. Mm-hmm. And you can see through it. And it's like, okay, I might not know what's going on for you, but I'm seeing the signs. And I started having conversations with people. I started realizing, holy shit, I didn't realize how many people were feeling low and were feeling down and were feeling like disenfranchised and discouraged. And I was like, well, this is like an epidemic. And then I started looking at the statistics online and started doing yeah. research. I was like, holy shit, have you seen the depression statistics? Yeah. It's crazy. It's and I was sucks. like, whoa, yeah. like this is, this is everywhere. But the problem is, is we're not allowed to talk about being depressed Yeah. and depressed. And the thing is, is we're secretly depressed, but we, we start to look at, well, if you admit you're depressed and if you walk around and you're depressed, there's something wrong with you. It's like, no, like, like depression. And it's a way of putting a lid on everything, you know? Yeah. So there, nobody disrupts their, you exactly. know, this bullshit, not actually happy little thing that's going on. Just this numb, comfortable thing. Yeah. That's, and, if you knew, if you knew that like, you know, the thing is, is you can start like, I, I just say, be a little weary about going around talking, saying this word depressed because people haven't necessarily socially accepted it yet, but it makes perfect sense that we're depressed right now. I mean, marketing and commercialism wants us to be depressed because we buy more shit when we feel down. Yeah. So it wants people to be depressed. Like it wants you to feel down and incomplete. It wants you to feel empty, you know, because if you feel empty, you're going to go buy that purse, those pair of shoes, that dress, that coat, That'll make that, you feel better for all of that you car. Know, one hour. Yeah. And so it, it, feeling down serves the economy. So just remember that like, you know, business and the economy does not have your happiness in, in its interest. It, it has it up to the degree that you buy their stuff. If you buy their stuff, they're, they're happy. You're happy. Yeah. But, but if you're not yeah, buying greed, their stuff, greed is not interested in what's no. in your best interest. Right. Yeah. And so it's it, greed, you know, <laughs> I don't have to get people to look for as like, we're in a pretty materialistic world. Yeah. I mean, let's look at well, it. Right. I mean, and I want to, uh, just like to put this into like an art and we actually talked about this on one of our, um, uh, our, our film breakdown episodes, but I'm just going to bring it up just like, because I think it was an amazing thing they did, but Pixar's inside out. They took on like, that is a story about a girl who's dealing with depression. Right. Right. It's what happens when, and, and it was a commentary on sort of our society of you're supposed to be happy. Cause you look at joy. She was like, she's like, no, no, no. Happy, 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 happy all the time. Happy all the time. Sadness wasn't allowed. Sadness was being put into a little circle and told not to come out of it. Right. And what happens? It turns into an absolute clusterfuck. Mm. And now happy, like joy and sadness are not, are not in the control room whatsoever. Both of them are gone. And the only thing that's left is fear, anger, and disgust, which is basically depression. Right. right? So you're watching a girl going through depression right? And only until the sadness is allowed to have it, she's allowed to have her place. Does joy finally return Hmm. ultimately? Right. But it was like, it's a, it's, it's a profound sort of like metaphorical tale, uh, and, and making so much, uh, statements on sort of our, our culture and, and how we are and the price that we pay by not 
letting these things be expressed. Yeah. It's such a brilliant movie. I brilliant. Mean, the more we talk about it, the more I'm just like, it's so profound in a, in a way that when, when you start to see what it's actually done and whether they intended that or not, there's this brilliance to it. You know, there's this really, I think that they were certainly aware of it. Although I don't even necessarily like, I mean, Pixar, those, that whole team is just brilliant. Yeah. But from what I, I know of like the creative process, especially writing a story and coming up with a story, which is where they would have worked this stuff all out. It's like, you know, you, you, you have that direction and you go towards it. And then after you finish it, you start to see things that you didn't see before. Right. Or an opportunity that you didn't see before. And so now you include that you flesh this thing out. But even then, after it's all said and done, you might not realize some of the undercurrents and things that were going on in it that you didn't realize you were writing, Hmm. but they kind of just end up being there. So I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I, I certainly think that there was a lot that was going on in that story that they were consciously aware of that probably only became conscious as they were redrafting and redrafting it. Mm. But I would not be surprised if there were a few things that, that are in there. Some of like the undertones that they're like, Oh shit, I didn't even realize that we had done that, but we did. That's what I think was, is kind of one of the coolest parts of the creative process. And which makes me go, man, I don't know actually how much I have to do with all of this. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just kind of, I just kind of follow this thing that's leading me and it it's doing its own thing yeah. and it's doing things that I'm not even aware of. Right. I'm just putting it on the page <laughs> or up on the stage. Right. On the page or up yeah. on the stage. I like well, it. you know, it was, it's so interesting. Like I remember one of uh, our acting teachers, Ted Whittall, uh, in, and we were doing a scene. I was doing a scene and I had been, I had been struggling with some of it, uh, for a few weeks putting up the scene and I was just like, not, not getting it to a certain place. And then finally, uh, I had, I one week put it up and, and it really started to take on some, like some life. And he'd pointed it out to me. He said like, you know, it's like, you're working so hard. You want everybody to see how hard you worked. Right. It's like, he's like, you're like, you're, you're an intelligent actor. We like you are like, we get it. He's like, but you've got to put it all away. Hmm. Like you've got to put all of that sort of trying to show everything you've done away Hmm. because once you've done that, now all of those things that you had planned to do, those things that you wanted to come through in your performance actually just start to happen. Hmm. But only after you've let them go and you've put them away when you're trying to do it all, then it becomes very clunky. It becomes very rigid the life starts to disappear from it. Right. But then all the wonderful things happen when you kind of, when you let go. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, this is, who knows what's going to happen on a not so serious. Yeah, podcast, man, this has eh? been a, this has been a <laughs> but I've been really enjoying this one. This has been a good one. You know, we're getting into it. Uh, well, how do you like this beer, sir? I, I like it. Uh, she's a, she's a real cloudy a real cloudy mother here. Uh, and 
it's really nice. Like it's, uh, I'm going to say it's an IPA for sure. Like first sip, I was like, okay, this is pretty rich. It's pretty hoppy. Um, but it's got like a nice balance to it of, of bitterness and sweetness. Um, it's a real mouthful. (laughs) I won't say mouthfeel except that I just did. Um, no, it's like, it's, it's really like, it's, it's lush. Lush. It's really lush. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to identify by the look. It looks like a Hefeweizen. I mean, it's, it's really like, it's an interesting beer. Yeah. Cause it's very like grapefruity. Hard, like being able to identify it, I think it's a kind of a magic trick. Well, high alcohol percentage. Yeah. 6.7. Okay. I'm so, feeling confident about my IPA prediction here. <laughs> so this is one way I love this company's name, Superflux Beer Company. Oh, nice. We've had them before. Yeah. This one's called Color and Shape. That's the name of the beer. Cool can. Nice. Um, it's an India Pale Ale. Yeah. <laughs> you <know>? Na- nailed it. <laughs> so IPA. So you got it. Um, a strong beer, uh, 6.8%. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, Superflux always says these really cool cans, um, really cool marketing that they do. I like it. I always like the man. I don't know. It's something maybe like back to the future. Yeah. You know, flex capacitor, <laughs> flex capacitor. Yeah. yeah. So super flex. Um, anyway. Yeah. So it's called color. It's also and- kind of like super fly. Yeah. Super fly. Curtis Mayfield. Totally. I'm super fly. <laughs> so yeah. Color and shape. What do you say? Two thumbs up. Yeah. This is a thumbs up for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, uh, it's a really nice IPA. Mm-hmm. I really like it. You can finish that off if you want. Uh, oh, okay. I'll, I'll crack another can. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it's a good one. I, I, I definitely recommend this one. Um, you know, when we started doing this podcast, I wasn't as much into IPAs, but this one has been a tasty treat. Um, and I like our IPAs more and more. Yeah. It's weird because, you know, like, um, I'm actually, you know, I've never, I've never liked sours, but I've, I've been having a few more. I've been kind of pushing myself to like, okay, well let's see if I can appreciate some of these. And I'm not, I'm not going to say that I like them all. I'm still very, very picky, but I've had a couple this summer that I've been like, Oh yeah, these are okay. I I can, I can kind of handle this. I have a couple friends who are I have a couple friends who are like, basically like, uh, <laughs> they love saisons and they love sours and yeah. they're just like, you people are weird, but you know, everyone <laughs> teach their own. Right. So, um, and yeah, just as a quick thing, cause we don't always talk about this on every single podcast. If this is your first time coming in, we just, we drink like a, a craft beer on every episode over the course of our conversation. Um, because that's how these conversations got started. It was just us, um, chilling together, having work meetings, working on scripts and stuff. And we would get into these awesome sort of chats about, uh, our process, what was going on with us creatively in our lives. And, and, you know, and we started to really, uh, discover that these conversations were, were really great. Mm-hmm. At least we thought, um, <laughs> And like, well, I still think so. And someone had suggestions like, you guys should record those. Like those, that sounds fantastic. You know, after summarizing someone like, oh yeah, we had this conversation about this and that we discovered these things and like, oh, that sounds awesome. You guys should record that. I'm like, oh, okay. And now and here's the podcast. So the yeah. beer is just kind of a, it's a nice backdrop to the whole thing. 
it loosens us up, gets us to talk more. Um, you know, I, I remember there's a few conversations we had at a little 33 acres brewery. Oh yes. And, um, being like, man, I wish we recorded that conversation because, you know, I'd like to listen to that again, just because it was funny what we talked about. I was like, I know I'm going to need to hear this again and life's going to go by and it's going to kind of, you know, yeah. So I'm glad we've been recording it. I've been glad. I feel like it's good too. And I, you know, I think what's interesting is, you know, we never knew what this podcast is going to be, but I think we open up some topics that, I mean, maybe other people talk about it too, but I feel like there are things that need to be discussed more. I mean, especially when we're talking about, you know, things like depression and stuff like that. I mean, I think it's just one of those things that's constantly swept under the rug and like, it's yeah. like, well, let's medicate it. You know, like, let's just, you, can, you know, if you're depressed, maybe there's something wrong with you. It's like, no, you're depressed. There's nothing wrong with you. In fact, what it means is that you're, you're emotionally alive Yeah. because, you know, you just haven't been allowing yourself to express it and feel it and mm-hmm. know it and connect to it, you know, because once you start like, expressing yourself. And I know this from personal experience. Once you start like being like, this is how I feel and like acknowledging how you feel. And, and, and sometimes it just takes a little bit of expressing that feeling. I, I don't know how to explain how much joy and how much life comes out of that. You know, like emotion is energy in motion. You need to begin to start to get a grasp and a handle on your emotion. When you're depressed, you have no energy in motion. That's why you want to sleep all the time. Yeah. It's so simple, but like, why are you tired all the time? Why don't you feel any energy? Why don't you want to do anything? It's because you're depressed. When you start getting emotionally alive, you're going to have so much energy. You're not even going to want to sleep anymore. Yeah. But, but we live in a society that's like work hard and don't feel. Yeah they don't go together. Like work in like, like our last talk, work isn't as hard when you allow yourself to feel, Yeah, (laughs) you know, when you allow yourself to get like emotionally energized, work becomes a lot easier Mm -hmm. because you're not, not so tired. You're not so like dampened. Yeah. And also the, there's this whole stigma as well that, you know, you're in order to be doing something in the world that you have to be like exhausted and you have to be, you know, just completely burnt out in order to be of value in any way whatsoever. And it's just like, you know, and just dive right back into the, the whole issue going on in our culture, people just burnt out and depressed and, and medicated and stuff. And, and again, I'm not saying that medication is necessarily a bad thing. I think I've seen, I've, I know personally people very close to me who have gone like who have used medication for a time because they just like, it was just so much to deal like whatever they were going through was just so much to deal with that it got them through a period until they were able to finally deal with it Mm -hmm. without the medication and they got rid of it. Right. It can, like, I, I do understand that side of it, but, um, you know, it's, uh, there's like a, it's like a funny sort of, uh, Zen or Buddhist sort of, uh, saying or whatever it's, and, and it has to do with like enlightenment and, and awakening. And it's like, well, it's like when you, when you use the ship to carry you to across or the boat to carry you across to the Island of enlightenment, leave the boat on the shore. Mm. 
you know, so basically the thing that helped get you there, leave it there. Right. Right. And, and I heard that it was an Alan Watts talk. He was talking about, he received a question. Somebody asked him about like using LSD and mushrooms and stuff. And he said, it can be good, but leave it, leave it on the shore. Like, like whatever it shows you, that's wonderful, but don't keep on hammering at it. Right. Mm, That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I like that. But yeah, in this, in anyhow, well, I, I mean, digress. Yeah. I mean, you know, and these things we have in life, I mean, like, you know, watching TV or playing video games or having a drink yeah. or buying stuff. None of that is bad in and of itself. It's, it's, you know, I mean, I love video games. I like a good beer. It's great to buy something new. Yeah. You know, I mean, drugs can be fun, <laughs> right? They can be something, whatever. It's not necessarily bad. I'm, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying go and do these things. I'm just saying they're not bad. It's more how we use them more yeah. often. That's really the bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, it's like that, you know, it's that saying like, like people, and, and I'm not going to get into an argument about gun control, but like guns don't kill people. People kill people, mm-hmm. you know? And, and the same way is like, we need to start to see that we are the handlers of the tools and the tool could be very dangerous. You know, like I don't necessarily think people should be running around with bombs and shit like that. It's not good. Yeah. But the thing is, is that it, it's not something that we necessarily want to have need of in our world. Yeah. We don't necessarily need it, but the thing in and of itself is not necessarily bad. It's not necessarily that's bad. It's, it's how we use it. And also, you know, if we have a culture that's not responsible with what we, we allow people to have their hands on, then we as a, as a group need to decide, is it okay for us to allow accessibility to this? Yeah. And so, but just to remember that it's not the thing that's bad, but it's that we don't have necessarily built the social structure yet to be able to handle such a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, the, you know, the, 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 the point is to, to look at anything and don't, you know, don't just say, alcohol is bad. Drugs are bad. Smoking is bad. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that it's destructive in certain ways. Yes. And like, you know, even a cigarette and I don't smoke and I'm actually highly against smoking, but smoking is not necessarily bad. Now I just want to, I just want to use this to demonstrate my point in all intents and purposes from health to smoke anything into your lungs is not good for you. Mm-hmm. We all know this. This is clear to put tobacco and tar and all the other stuff in you. That's not good either to do this repetitively, even worse. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. If having a smoke is going to help you get through a moment and I'm not, this is up for the person to decide, but if it's going to help you get through a moment, in some ways, regard there's consequences. You smoked some crap into your body and you hurt yourself and you maybe caused yourself more risk of yeah. being not good. But the temporary benefits that it maybe gave you might have helped you to bridge whatever you needed to get through. Yeah. If you use smoking as a crutch and now it becomes a habit and becomes a common thing, I mean, I don't have to tell you that that is not good. Yeah. Like, but that's you doing it the smoke and 
the thing is not necessarily bad in and of itself. And it's hard for people to discern because we're in a culture where we blame things. We like to make it something else's problem, something else. We excuse ourselves. It's like, you're the one that put the thing to your lips. The smoke didn't just jump up and, and, and start smoking you, you know, you did it. You picked it up. You bought the pack. You wasted your money on it. You did the thing but don't blame it. Don't blame the cigarette companies. Don't blame all the other things. And I, you know, the the point of the matter is, is that I don't know if we're socially responsible enough as a group, as a community to yet be able to deal with smokes that way, cigarettes. Mm -hmm. So maybe cigarettes, because we're not able to deal with it, maybe need to be outlawed. But the thing is, as a smoker would say, no, I want to do what I want to do. Okay, well, fine. Like, the thing is, is like, okay, maybe it doesn't necessarily be outlawed, but here's the thing is like, some people are going to be self-destructive. If you're going to be self-destructive and you're on the path of self-destruction and you want to self-destruct and you don't care in some ways, fine, self-destruct. But here's the thing. If you were a smoker, maybe as far as the medical companies go, as far as medical goes, you don't get new lungs because you chose to smoke. Yeah. Right. So if you are a smoker, or if you smoked within X amount of time, you don't get the luxury of getting the benefits that other people could get. So here's the thing. So you start looking and you go, okay, well, am I willing to take the risk to do the thing? Cause the thing is, is if you want to like, but the thing is, is like, you know, it's a, it's like, I'm trying to be clear here on your own personal level. You got to be responsible for yourself. Mm. There's the medical companies. They want you to smoke. There's, there's companies that want you to smoke because the thing is, is they want you to smoke because they actually make money off of your lack of health. Yeah. So, you know, just like, you know, I think the thing is that what people, what people would benefit from doing is just simply kind of looking at how they have been sometimes manipulated into a belief system or into, and I want to come back to this seek and you shall find kind of Mm -hmm. quality, right? You don't need to do the thing. Like you need to be able to say at any point I could stop doing anything I'm possibly doing right now. I could end the relationship I'm in. I could end the marriage I'm in. I could end this smoking habit I have. I could never drink again. I could never do drugs again. I could never play video games again. I can never podcast again, whatever it might be. You need to be able to stop immediately and say, I'm done. Because if you do that, you have power over your life. If you can't stop, if, if someone took it away and you'd be like, no, my life's over. Like you have a dependency and it's important for you to be aware of that and realize that your power and your life is dictated by this thing, this substance, this activity. So like, that's okay but we need to be more honest about where we're at because the, the thing is, is like, like this whole depression thing, which we've been kind of venturing into smoking and video games and buying shit and all of that stuff, drinking, whatever it might be is not bad, but if it masks your depression, it is not good because now what so happens is you're using it as a crutch. It's a way of you avoiding yourself. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, like, like, and sometimes it's like, you yeah. know, it's, it's not that you have to bite off the whole monster in one go, but it's like, be aware, Yeah, be aware, you know, be aware of when you're just like, you know what I needed to, because sometimes like I do, I'm like, you know what? I just like, I've done enough on this for today. You know, like I know it's here and I've, you know, I've, 
I've journaled about it. I've, you know, I've communicated it. You know, I've, I've, I haven't neglected it. Now I just need a distraction or something, you know, and then I'll go, and sometimes I'll just do that, you know, but when you're just constantly going for the distraction, mm-hmm. constantly, 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 then it becomes a problem, you know, then it becomes an addiction and then it becomes something you can't be without. Right. And, and now you have something that has power over you, whether that be drugs or alcohol or cigarettes or TV or fast food or, you know, like these, like a lot of these parts, not all of them are, are trying to do this, but there are certainly parts of these industries that they have made a big business out of exploiting, um, of exploiting, um, where people are vulnerable. Right. You know, and you can, again, it's like this whole thing. It's like, it's like guns don't kill people. People kill people. It's like, you know, maybe it isn't good what they're doing, but are you participating in it? Are Mm -hmm. you still making the choice to support it? Are you still bringing that into your life? Like, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's like, you know, when you hear these lawsuits, people are, are, you know, against companies, it's like, yeah, it's a shit product. We all know that's a shit product. We all know that that stuff's not good for you. You don't necessarily have a right to sue these people because we all know it. Mm-hmm. You know, you ate all of us. There was a, there was a person who won, um, a lawsuit because they were like, they were like huffing chips or something like that. Certain types of potato chips, or I don't know. It's like, like but breathing it in. Yeah. Like they would open the bag and they would go and they would, cause I don't know, I guess they got it, it but there's so many chemicals oh. in these chips that they actually got. I mean, maybe this one's a bit of a different scenario but they actually got cancer as a result of, isn't that, that, isn't that crazy? And they determined that they got cancer from sniffing chips. Yeah. Huffing yeah chips? Like huffing these chips or something like that. And it was, yeah, maybe there's something about that. That's actually kind of shitty because who would expect that? It's like, do not huff, you know, like there's no warning for that necessarily, but the chips weren't good for you. P- that's like right? Darwin shit, man. I'm like, I, I look at that. I'm like, man, like, people, people amaze, man. Well, but yeah, anyhow, it's like, there's, there are just certain things that you just, you kind of have to just go, come on, like, let's take a level of responsibility for ourselves here. Right. Like people, you know, I, I think a lot of these, you know, like I understand people's outrage sometimes at, at the, the conduct and the practices of a lot of the big, you know, sort of corporate, world and how, how it exploits, um, people yeah. in certain ways. Like certainly they're trying to, but again, none of these companies are putting a gun to your head and saying, smoke this, drink this, watch this. Like they're, they're not doing that. We're ultimately making our decisions, right? Like, mm. and it's, well, it's, it's, and a, you change yourself, then you change, like, you know, that's so many people have, have, have said that. And it's like, change yourself and change the world. Right. But so much are, we're, we're trying to blame someone else for what's going on. We want to, we want to change the world and not change ourselves because mm-hmm. we don't want to see how we are yeah. responsible for it. And it's just like, no, you're supporting it. You're the backbone of it. You're act, you're 
you're putting your money into it. You're like, you're giving them all the power. Right. If people stopped buying these products. They would stop making them. Yeah. If people stopped, you know, supporting these organizations on a, on a home level, on a personal level, and everyone did that on, on massively, uh, you know, th- this shit would stop because we have determined that it is going to stop because mm-hmm. we don't stand by it anymore. Cause your dollar is a vote. Yeah. Your dollar is a vote for this thing existing in the world. Yeah. I think the thing is, is, you know, um, it's, you, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna save the world overnight, No. you know? And, no, no, no. and, and the thing is, is that what people could benefit from doing is simply beginning to take a certain responsibility over their life. And so then through that, through taking responsibility, share and communicate and educate based on building self-awareness. And, you know, like if you help one person, you, you did pretty good. If you help yourself, you've done really good. If you help another person, even better, but don't make your life mission. Like I have to save everybody else and make sure everyone else is okay. But like, you know, become aware the biggest issue. And I I was talking to a friend about this the other day. The biggest issue that I've faced in my life from a, from a point of in getting to where I'm at right now was lack of mentorship and shitty education. Mm. And my friend pointed out true, but also everything you went through has been great because it's gotten you to where you are. And I said, true, both are true. What I needed to do was go through the school of hard knocks to get where I am now. But isn't it wonderful because now I can move forward and maybe in some ways try to help the education and mentorship situation. Not to say that I'm going to save everybody, but there's a few people who are going to benefit from my life experiences. Being this podcast, being how I, how I run my life, being how I have protégés who, who search me out and want to learn from me. And so I'm trying to be with full humility, say, this is my life experience. I don't necessarily know, but this is what I've experienced. And so through that, you know, we get better. Yeah. But the thing is, is like, what I, what my point is, is that, you know, you don't have to help everybody. You don't have to save everybody. What you need to be is a more mindful person so that you can mentorship and, and teach better because right now, and I've said this on podcast after podcast, the education mentorship situation in our culture is shit currently, Mm. but it's getting better. Yeah. Because people are actually beginning to step up and help each other. Yeah. And it's not going to happen overnight, but given enough time, people will begin to share wisdom and share real valuable education that bucks the commercial daycare that we're given. And we're going to actually start to, if we're looking for it, get better. Search and you shall find. Yeah. Absolutely. Look for good mentors. And look for teachers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and don't take one opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. And go apply what they, what the, and, and you know what? You don't even, the thing is it used to be books, but now you got actual people that will give you one-on-one time and they're accessible online. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily have to like, like don't put all your faith in one person, but like, you know, take it, try it, see if it's working for you. Anyone and everyone is a teacher. Yeah. And and everyone and a student as well. You know, everyone's a student as well and never think that you know everything and never think that anyone ever knows everything. Yeah. And you're okay. 
you know, but people need to learn that little principle. Mm -hmm. And if you think that this podcast is helpful, share with your friends and tell them they got to listen to it. Because what most importantly is that people spread ideas that help people think. Yeah. Because once we start questioning and once we start looking at it and like, like depression is, is only scary because you think you're the only one going through it. Once you realize that like you're not alone and then in fact, most people are going through it, depression doesn't come so scary anymore. You can just start to go, Oh, this is actually very natural. I'm not weird. This is like a part of, you know, this is part of the human experience. And this is actually a product of our culture and our culture actually kind of wants us to be depressed, but wants us to pretend we're not. Once you start realizing that you start going, Oh, I've actually kind of been a byproduct of what was been designed. Yeah. So now I can transcend it because now I realize that this was actually by design. Yeah. This wasn't actually just a random, I'm not like a, you know what I mean? And like for someone who hasn't necessarily acknowledged they're depressed or hasn't felt depression, that might sound like, oh yeah, you know, you're just a weirdo. But like you can take that in other areas of your life. Mm -hmm. Like there's all sorts of things by design, you're designed to be this way. And, And culture and economy has benefited from you falling into their design. So until people start breaking the design, the design will persist. The de- design will continue and it will flourish and people will flourish based on your lack of fulfillment, your lack of happiness and, and so on. Cause they'll make money off of it. Your lack of health, they'll make money off. Of yeah. It. And so once you start taking care of your health, start finding self fulfillment and start finding things like, you know, awarenesses of how you feel, they won't have control over you anymore. So if you want to have control over your life, if you want to become, if you want to transcend the system we're in, you need to become aware. But unfortunately, most people grow up and nobody's telling them and they lack mentorship. They lack education. It's not their fault. But now if you hear this podcast, it's your responsibility to take these lessons, wake up, share them with your friends. And I'm not just saying this to share this with your this isn't new. You know, if you, and, and search and you shall find, I'm going to say it again. Yeah. If, if I've, if this conversation has sparked you to start looking for this stuff, I guarantee you're going to start finding it everywhere. Cause we are not the only ones talking about this. Mm-hmm. And people wonder like, how do people make a lot of money? How are people super successful when they're not doing corrupt shit? Right. How do they do it? It's because they're aware they have information, they have knowledge and wisdom and mentorship. You don't it's not your fault. You're smart. Like people don't realize they're geniuses. They just don't realize it because they've been educated like they're dumb. Yeah. If you, if you're told your whole life, you're dumb, that you're just normal, that you're average and that some people are special and you're not, you don't think that you're going to live your whole life under that belief system. Of course you are. But, but I want to tell people on the other, this is my call to action on other people on the podcast. You are a genius. You just don't know it yet. The world doesn't want you to know it. It makes more money off of you believing less of yourself. So, so I really want people to become aware of this because I think, man, the like corruption and this, this, this shit that's going on will not exist. Once people realize that they are profoundly special and that special isn't I'm better than someone, but special is you and I are both special. And so is the person listening to us. We're all special, not better, but we're all, we all bring something really unique, but we've, we've been diminished. We've been diminished and we've been taught to fit into a box and we've been taught we're, we're not geniuses Mm -hmm. that only people like Einstein are geniuses. 
And the thing is, is like, we're even taught that if someone says they're a genius or that you could, that they're crazy. But like, so you're even taught to believe that if you think you're a genius, that you're crazy and arrogant. Like the whole world has been uh, brainwashed into an idea that doesn't exist. So if you start going like, I'm a genius, search and you shall find, you'll start realizing you're a genius. Yeah. But you might not be a genius like Einstein and you might not be a genius like say Steve Jobs, if you even think he's a genius, but you will be a genius in your own way. And maybe your genius is something very simple and maybe not commercially rewarded, but it still doesn't, it still is your special, Mm -hmm. amazing thing. And And we live in an age where more than ever there, there's opportunity for your genius to find an audience. Yes. And, 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 you know, once you break the paradigm of how the world works, like once you stop trying to fit into like doing it the way you've been taught the whole time, you'll start to see that like, like literally 98% of your experience of life and possibility has been hidden from you. It's like taking the veil away. Mm -hmm. I mean, what if a genius was just someone who isn't necessarily particularly great at anything, but just the unveil, the the veil was revealed. So they could see more of the world than, than the average person. And that's what makes them look like a genius. I mean, what if that's as simple as it is, you know, seek and you shall find, start looking for what you want. You will find it. And, and, and don't allow anyone to doubt you. You know, if you're around people that are telling you they're tearing you down or doing something, move away, go on your own, you know, find new people, go get, move, get out of your location. Yeah, if you don't like what you're finding, yeah. seek something else. Yeah. And find that. Right. Sometimes you got to get rid of like everybody. If you're, if you're not happy with your life, here's another thing. I'm just going to give people a little bit more advice. If you're not happy with your life, if your life is not shaping up the way you want it, you're not becoming who you believe you need to be and want to be. And you're not feeling fulfilled. You're depressed. You're not happy. Whatever is going on, it's wrong. Be courageous enough to leave whatever city or country you're in, go move somewhere else and literally tell everybody, you know, for the next three, six months to a year, I'm, 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 I will be back potentially, but right now I'm going off to do thing. Cause if you get around a new environment with new people in a new circumstance, you will find out more of who you really are because the people that are around you, they don't necessarily mean to, but they're holding you in place as to who they think you are. And that's informing who you think you are, but go to this new country, this new city, this new place and get like even your family. And it, I mean, I, I, I know a lot, not a lot of people will do it, but get, get, just go away. If they really, if they, if you, if you tell them, this is what I need, this is what's going to make me better. Go off and do this and decide who you're going to be. Reinvent yourself. And if you're say you're, you're shy, you're not confident, decide that I'm going to start being a confident person. I'm going to be an extrovert. I'm going to be social. I'm going to start picking the qualities you want. And when you go to this new country and no one is saying who you are, people will take you at face value. Yeah. They will decide if you show up that way and you know, what'll happen is seek and you shall find, you'll start finding people that will help you be more of what you want to be. Mm-hmm. And then when you come back to your old environment, you'll start to see that you're a little fish out of water, but you can reteach people who you are. And people will be like, you've changed. You're different. Good. Cause you weren't happy whoever you were before. Right? Yeah. If you're really happy the way you're, you are. If you're, if everything's perfect, then okay. You're, you maybe you've, you found the right 
the right fit. Maybe you're, you're on the right course for yourself, but if you're not, and you got to be honest with yourself and your life's short, make a drastic change. Don't be scared. Don't be scared to let it all go and walk away and try again. That's the beauty of life. You mm-hmm. know, it's so big. We can go some, somewhere else and we can try again. We can start over. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you're leaving people or anything forever. It's temporary. You know, it's temporary reinvention. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what if you walked around your whole life and people treated you like you're a genius? People were like, wow, you're so smart. Your thoughts are so interesting. Your skills are so cool. I mean, how might you start to behave? How, what might you start to believe? Yeah. You know, they say psychology. Maybe you come a little bit full of yourself. Well, maybe you do. And maybe, <laughs> maybe that's why you need a little humility. Maybe yeah. you need to go the other way. Maybe you need, you know, like, you know, those pro athletes, those athletes that are really well, good in their little town and then they go yeah. to the big leagues and it's like, well, and that, that's, <laughs> but I mean, that's part of what we were getting to in our earlier part of, of our conversation. You saw, you, you know, you, you seek it and you create your focus, but the, sometimes the, the way there isn't what you think it is. Right. And sometimes it's like, you know, maybe somebody has been telling you you're a genius and your thoughts are like the most incredible thoughts that anyone has ever thought. <laughs> uh, and you've been going through your life this whole way. And then finally you, one day you meet somebody who goes, mm, I'm not sure I agree with you. Mm. And they're also a genius in their own right. And they have some things to say about your thoughts and you hadn't considered that before. And now suddenly you have, again, it's actually an opportunity and it, it might take you back and, and, you know, you want to lash out, you want to be angry and be like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the way it is. But by opening up to it, by opening up to the conversation, by opening up to the question, by the possibility, by the, t- by the challenge, yeah, you can, there's so many things that can happen as a result of that. Mm. You can come closer to actually, you you could either further validate the position that you held. You could, but only by having it challenged, could you really go, Oh, it's like, yes, I've heard this argument, but now my argument has become, um, more complex. My argument has become uh, more sophisticated and, and there's a greater depth to it now than there was before, but it's still the the position I hold, or it could be, Oh, I hadn't considered this before. And this changes some things, but where I held before. And so now there's a whole integration process, or maybe you're even able to admit that like, Oh my God, I was wrong. Hmm. Right. So it's, you don't know what these things are for that happen. You know, it's like you, you have your direction, but there's all sorts of things that are coming up along the way. And again, it's actually part of the focus that you we're going for. It's part of the seeking that you asked for, you know, and there's that whole saying, it's just like, be careful what you wish for, right? That might be, I'm not saying be careful what you wish for, because that's to me, a kind of a, a cynical view on this whole topic where we we've kind of gotten into of, of seeking where it's like, you know what it's, I, I think it's just, it's like, be careful what you wish for as in, be prepared for the things that are going to show up because they're not going to be what you expect. Right. Cause that's really what that whole thing was saying. Be careful what you wish for, right. Because you might just get it right. And the, it's a, it's a caution because basically it's like, 
what you've asked for, you're going to get it, but it's not going to be what you think it is. Mm -hmm. So that's actually not a bad thing. That's the thing I think I don't like about that. That expression is that it's like, this is a bad thing. Yeah. You know, you're careful what you wish for because you're going to get your ass handed to you or like, this is going to, it's going to be a bad decision. It's not a bad decision. It just means that it's like there, there's going to be some, it's going to entail some things that you hadn't counted on. Right. That are going to challenge you, but are actually part of the whole journey. It's actually part of the thing that you want. I I really agree with you because whoever said that their framing of the world is interesting. Like anyone who says, be careful, be careful has an interesting framing to it. Be careful suggests there's danger. So what they're doing is being protective, saying, avoid danger, avoid, avoid something, right? Yeah. You might not like what you see. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I think of danger, I think, okay, well, can it kill me or can it do something that will cause damage that I'm not willing to deal with? If it won't, don't be so careful. If it will kill you or if it will cause damage, you're not willing to live with. Yes. Be careful. That is smart. But if it's like, oh, well, you know, what if, what if I go after my dream and you know, and then it doesn't work out? Well, what if you don't? which damage do you want to live with? Either way, you're going to have to live with something. Yeah. So how careful do you really want to be? You know what I mean? Like, you know, so like, you you know, careful is to me, careful is full of its, of its own road of, of challenges and struggles as well. Yeah. It has its own set. And I think honestly, they're more painful. Mm -hmm. Careful has to a degree, like careful has its own pitfalls. Yeah. Yeah. It has its virtues as well. Right but it, it's not all roses and sunshine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, something to think about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we wrap this baby yeah, up. Yeah. Let's wrap this one up, man. This one's been kind of nuts. Um, kinda nuts indeed. Well, uh, I'll, I'll get this rock in here. Um, you know, I really liked a lot of this stuff about, you know, uh, it's really got me think this conversation has really got me thinking about what is it that I'm seeking mm. in my life? Um, that I'm consciously seeking in my life. You know, I think, uh, for me, this has brought a big awareness of it's like, you know what? I think that I've been too unconsciously seeking and not consciously seeking. Hmm. Um, and with that, be open. I'm not gonna say be prepared, (laughs) but for me to be open to the things that that seeking is going to present, you know, the, the, you know, sort of the, the golden pastures as well as, you know, the dark forests that presents. Right. And, and, and to be able to say thank you for both of these things happening, because I think I understand that they're actually, none of it is actually bad. Mm. None of it, when you get to the end of it is actually bad. It's all part of what you're, what you needed. It's all part of, because I can even see it in my own life and my own experiences. And recently too, of how these things that challenged me that were, were absolute gifts in terms of helping me with that seeking. They just 
showed me a seeking that I hadn't quite thought through. You know, it's because you don't know, you know, we, we had a podcast some time back where we talked about, you know, taking the road trip, right? And, and, and we talked about this in terms of the, the aspect of, you know, creating a piece of work or something, you know, you're writing a, a script or you're painting something, creating a piece of music and you're going on a road trip and you've got, you know, it's like, you know, where you're going, you know, where your destination is, I'm going over this way. And you, as much as you map out the direction you're going to go, the roads you're going to take, there are things that you, like, there are, there's just so much that you don't know that's going to happen on that journey until you've actually hit the road. You got in your car, you followed the curves, the dips, the ravines that the map just doesn't show you the scene, the, the scenery that was going to be around you or the roadblock that was going to happen at some point, the di- or the, the alternate routes you had to take at one point, the, those things that you didn't count on, but all shaped the experience of it that are all so valuable, hmm. right? Because that they're all in helping you get to that place in the way that you are actually supposed to get there. So we can stop bemoaning how things don't go, how we thought they should in our heads because our heads don't know. Mm-hmm. Our heads don't know what's actually really good for us. Right. It just has ideas of what we think we have all these ideas of what we think is good for us, mm. but we don't know. Pick the point on the map, set the destination of the pl- that place that you want to see that place that you want to go to and now be open to the things that are, are going to be there because it's all, it is all necessary and it is all for your good. And the universe has your back. <laughs> Yeah. Because it might as well. Might as well. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, you know, I think, yeah, like see the world is conspiring to help you because it's a projection of yourself into the world and the world, maybe look at it like, you know, one thing that I've been doing recently is I've been looking at the world or the universe, I should say, not the world, but I've been looking at the universe. You can call it God. You can call it whatever you want. You can call it energy. It doesn't matter. But I've been looking at it as like a friend and a parent and a partner and a sibling and a lover. And I've been looking at it as this relationship and going like you, if our relationship is this, I'm your hands and you are, and you are my energy to move those hands and you will put in front of me. I, I physicalize what can be done in this life through my physical being through my body. Mm. And, you know, whatever you're, whatever you're doing, you're doing it with my best interests in mind. And so my job is not necessarily to judge the way you do what you do, because if the, you know, now this is just my opinion, but I look at the universe, I go, okay, you're this thing that has existed before I've ever existed my lifetime times probably a million billion, whatever times over. So I'm just going to trust that the universe, that the, the energy force of the world knows what it needs to know that 
you know, it's not a, it's not a religious thing. It's not a spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. It's not anything other than the world has existed before I was alive, as far as I know, and it will exist after I'm gone. But while I'm here, it has no benefit from destroying me. It has no benefit from hurting me. It only has benefit from helping me. And it may stop me from destroying it, but it won't stop me from fulfilling it. So if I simply just connect to, this is what's in my heart. This is what I want. This is where I want to go. It will give me all the awarenesses I need to know along the path to figure out, you know, what, how to, how to direct myself. And if I'm too arrogant, too prideful, too stubborn, too controlling, it will, it will clip my wings because I want it to, because I don't want to be arrogant and controlling and I don't want to be destructive. And so do clip my wings. Do not let me do that. I want to be a kind hearted, productive, powerful person doing an amazing thing in the world and and fulfilling myself. Don't let me be my own destruction. The universe is not going to destroy me. I will destroy me. The universe is going to make sure I don't. The universe is going to make sure no one else does because the universe in, and this is just, I know I'm talking crazy corner here, but the (laughs) universe is like, no, I will not let the bad thing happen to you. And if the bad thing that you think is the bad thing happens to you, I will do it only for your benefit. Because here's the thing. I don't know if there is a rebirth. I don't know if there's a heaven. I don't know if there is another universe you walk into. I don't even know if we're all robots or lizard people. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> is. I don't know. But here's the I've thing. I've heard all of those before. There's all these theories, right? There's all these ideas. But here's the thing. As luckily it is like in this lifetime and in this moment I have right now, I have a chance to experience life. So I may as well experience life to the greatest degree that life has been a gift. And so I look at it as I go, I don't know. But you know, what's really funny is that if I decide to see the positive in the event, if I decide to see how it's contributing to my life, I will find how it is. And by finding how it is, I will respond better in my next decision. So it's a compound interest. And so I've tried it the other way. I've tried fighting the universe. I've tried looking at it as the universe is trying to destroy me. I have done that way. I don't like it. I don't prefer it. And you know what? I'm no better off now than I was then. The only thing that I'm better off now is that I'm experiencing life in a much better way. It's Mm. much, I'm much more happy. I'm I'm enjoying it more. I also don't feel like, like I just, I want to be alive. I want to live. I want to do. So at the very least, all I can say to anybody else is choose, choose a decision of life that makes you want to live, that makes you want to experience, that makes you courageous, that makes you go, you know, that makes you feel kind of invincible and like every dream you ever had is possible. You might as well choose that one because you don't know either way. And so I think like what I'm, what I'm going to do, you know, going forward from this, I mean, is I'm simply going to um, go forward and continue on the path that I'm on right now, which is maybe I'm just declaring this for myself when I listen to this podcast again, is look at everything as an assist, as help, 
as somehow it's contributing to the, to the vision I've put out in the world. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. I don't know what's going to play out. I don't know if I'll ever amount to anything. I don't know if anyone will ever see, but I will have a great ride at this life. Yeah. And you know what? I would rather have a great life and a great ride and a great experience than amount to something and amount to something great for everyone else to have an experience of it, except for me. Mm -hmm. I'd rather amount to nothing, but have a great experience of life than to amount to something great and hate the whole journey because, and, and, you know, some people I think are willing to hate the whole journey to amount to something for everyone else. But, you know, and that's a, why I don't know path riddled with ruin, riddled with ruin. Yeah. And so like, I think it's a, it's a, it's a thing like, you know, you don't, I think our, our, our greatness, our, our potential is within our experience. It's, and it's a, it's a delusion. It's a confusion to think that it's outside of that. So begin with experience. And I think that you can do that right now. People can leave this podcast and go, what do I want to experience right now? Well, you know what? doesn't matter where you are. Go walk outside, breathe in fresh air. You can experience that, you know, go do something that you you're too scared to do. Talk to that guy, that girl, that person, call that person up, tell them you care about them, do something, experience life right now. You can do that right now. And the thing is, is once you start experiencing and you start feeling aliveness, you're not going to want to not experience it anymore, but you've been walking around and if you're feeling depressed, you're feeling down, you're feeling lackluster, you haven't been allowing experience. Now, I, I don't know, Evan, but it's an interesting <laughs> thing when I'm full of life and experiencing life and I'm fucking riveted with my experience. It's very interesting, but people seem to respond really well to it. Yeah. And yet I find that I get what I want because people go, I want some of what you have. Mm-hmm. You're alive. So weirdly enough, by just focusing on experience, I get what I want. It's, you don't need to go far. It's right here. It's home. It's, it's where you are right now. Just like, like experience life. It doesn't matter. Even if you're in prison, listen to this podcast, you could be in your cell going, okay, this cell is my world. Let's make this a great world because it's the world I live in. It's what you're given. So you might as well make the best of it. Yeah. You know, Two prisoners look out a cell window. One sees stars. The other sees dirt. Mm. Well, it's good, man. It's a good, it's a, it's a, yeah, man, you've been on a tear on this one, man. Been <laughs> well, on an you know, absolute man, tear. I have, I have, a, I had a lot to say, apparently. Oh, the joie de vie, <laughs> as they say. Go live life, everybody. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.